0: So there's some definite rules to divination and folklore and practicing pretty much magic, right? Um, The stories that are presented to us are the mother and grandmother of the craft. They teach us to be kind and careful, but stoical and strong. They teach us, most importantly, to mind our own most of the time and act otherwise if we would like to see what happens. Here are some examples of the creatures and spirits of folklore that I grew up with. Trolls. Trolls can survive extreme weather conditions and therefore tend to settle as far as possible from human civilization. They're most common in the woods where they sleep for years on end and are often mistaken for hills. Trees grow abundantly on the trolls' backs and they are not bothered by the roots digging into their skin. When the hill trolls awaken, they make their way to the lakes where they can live peacefully underwater without drawing attention. Smaller trolls are more likely to live near swamps where they can burrow and create a home deep in the mud. When a swamp troll is submerged, the only visible parts of his body are usually the hump and the top of his head, which can look like partially water-covered rocks. The creature's long hair looks like grass. They're more common in their far north areas of the world where it is dark for months at a time. It would be unwise to befriend a troll as they do not understand the concept of companionship. Although trolls are known for their kidnapping tendencies, this isn't for the company. It's to make sure they have something for dinner. They have no heart in their body, causing a lack of empathy and basic emotional understanding. But beware. Trolls are particularly cunning with their words, and if you happen to find yourself among them, you'll be eaten. To escape a troll, you must trick them. It's never a matter of personal strength. As trolls can be the size of mountains. Tales tell us that humans are best advised to avoid them. But if one must confront them to be persistent, the only things that repel trolls are your own intellect, a bag of teeth, and a lightning storm. Be careful next time you walk up a hill. Willow the wisps So, the wispies are strange beings and will typically appear in groups. Keep your eye out for a bunch of flickering lights where lights ought not be. Often found near swamps or ponds or floating over fields, they have a knack of alluring humans into the woods at night. They purposefully lure an inquisitive person or child who are likely to follow them out of curiosity. In certain situations, if you ever catch yourself following a wisp, a bribe can be made, but never break your promise to a wisp. Once a man who had lost his way offered two silver coins if the wisp would lead him home. The wisp agreed, and finally they arrived at the man's house. He thanked his guide, but instead of the promised payment, he gave the wisp only a small copper coin. As the man opened his front door and took a step forward, he stepped deep into a murky swamp. As he looked around, he realized he was no longer at his front door, but some were very, very far away. If you are looking to get lost, the wisp can show you the ways to certain herbs, magical surroundings, and tools. I've heard of wisps leading a curious person out to the woods only to reward him with fields of wildflowers and beautiful streams. Other times you will find yourself knee-deep in the mud, far away from the safety of your loving home. To understand our ancestors... We must understand death and its impact on us. Death is the source of the most fear, creating stories, folklore, personifications, and metaphors in the wake of its creeping shadow. Most everybody thinks about death during their lifetime. However, few face it with broad shoulders and stern eyes. The shadow of death has had a great impact on those who choose to study the ways of the dead, or in fact, anyone at all. I was taught never to focus on death, as it's more important to focus on the world to come. So, death is simply as death is, while the thought of afterlife doesn't matter so much. Making sure our ancestors are well-conformed and comforted in the liminal space they exist within is central in my family's craft. The love and honor we show our ancestors is instilled at a young age. We give them food, we never speak ill of the dead or walk on their gravestones and dismissing their presence is frowned upon. Many honor their ancestors without conscious awareness such as hanging their pictures on the wall or imagining them as a guardian angel. Some people make shrines or have small designated space for the spirit of that person. Many, including myself, create a space for all ancestors to communicate and be honored. This not only creates a place for them in your home, but in your life, too. You'll be reminded of them every time you walk by. My own ancestral shrine is on a bookshelf, and in my kitchen, the shrine changes and adapts to where I go and what I do. I almost always, it looks different. Though I don't have many heirlooms of those that have passed, I keep items of memory of their spirit. I have my grandma, I have my uncle, I have my brother. Um, Some people follow certain rules in ancestor communication, such as only honoring blood relatives or always having an offering to hand. I believe you should honor whoever and however feels right. I honor my grandma, I honor my brother, I honor my stepmom, I honor everybody that I know that's passed, my Aunt Lisa. So I consider, like, blood or not, I honor the dead. Pay attention to the daily stories, your dreams, and to your own behavior. The roots beneath it all will show themselves in time. Maybe they are lingering in your childhood memories, or maybe it's something you'd rather not speak of. Take it to the dead. They will know what to say. As far as offerings go, I always have a gift for the spirits, even if they don't accept it, they'll appreciate the gesture, I believe. I love growing plants. Um, I dedicate them to certain people, making sure to care for it as it grows. For other offerings, I often leave family foods and desserts on my ancestors' altar for them to enjoy. They'll let you know when they're done with them. A glass of water is always nice too, whiskey or wine for the elders and special occasions I found my ancestors particularly enjoy fresh branches as they are often associated with crossing over to the other side. You'll need to learn your ancestors' tastes, talk to your relatives about them, and then talk to the spirits. When we listen to our ancestors, we learn lessons they've learned through their years. It's also common practice to dedicate a candle to your ancestor or a specific member of the dead. By devoting this object to them, you will then be able to communicate with them through the flame of smoke. Offerings would then be left for the dead, often alongside lighted candles, so that the souls could find their way. People always tried to communicate with their ancestors through prayer, song, and even trance-like states. It's always been believed that the dead are not fully gone, but can still answer us and wander our world to drink, eat, talk, and visit their beloved family. To give more context on exactly how long an offering should be left out, I prefer to group my offering into five main groups, permanent, temporary, perishable, acts of devotion, and burnt offerings. There's permanent, temporary, perishable. Um, We can get into that more later. Spirits have the ability to protect and comfort from the other side. Conversely, they can also harm and put us in imminent danger. Be cautious about who you call upon. When calling for their attention, knock on a wooden table to gather the masses. We test these spirits by the way our hairs stand up on the back of our neck and the way our gut twists and turns. Light a candle in their honor or renew their offerings if you wish to speak with a spirit. Most of the time, spirits will speak when they have something important to say. Don't worry if you can't feel their presence. As my ancestors aren't even around most of the time, they only show up when they are needed to pass on information. Sometimes they'll demand attention, but other times they won't be around for days. Communication with spirits is an indirect process, and they won't always answer. However, we can still learn from the absent ancestor. Often, in the simple act of veneration, we are taught many, many lessons. If a spirit feels they need to help us in the afterlife, a piece of their soul will inhibit an item of a loved one's house. Often the dead will contact us without our end of vocation, coming to us in dreams, smells, memories, and so on. This is them willing to connect with us, to make amends, to bring messages, and more. It's important to note you are not obligated to coincide, but they do like to be acknowledged. To dream of the dying isn't always a good thing, especially if the subject is alive. However, to dream of someone who has passed is a sure sign of spirit communication. Some folk have a gift for communicating with spirits in their dreams. Being able to manipulate and control what happens in the dreamscape, this is what we call dreaming right or dreaming true. It's hard to tell the difference between a regular dream and a true dream. Fortunately, when you dream true, you always remember every single detail of it. Most of the time when we dream, we're only left with an idea of something isn't right. I've solemnly dreamed true. Recollecting only a few dreams of loved ones, my brother has always been visited by spirits and passed them in his dreams. This gift is closely related to the sight. When you dream true, the dream won't be composed of symbolic meanings. It will be completely clear and comprehensible. Dreams are one-way path for spirits and ancestors to deliver a message to us without interference or intrusion from the outside. If a spirit is in less of a hurry, they might leave a more indirect sign. Perhaps a reminder of something they loved in their lifetime. When a month strays from its light. Cemeteries are ideal for spirit work. Being a communal center for spirits and humans alike, cemetery work takes a delicate touch. With many considerations and attentiveness put in place. Respect the dead and they will perhaps respect you. At almost every town or village has a place for the dead to rest. Cemeteries exist in little squares, creating a strong place for power that can be used for a large array of magical working. And of course, ancestor communication. The soul leaves the body at the time of death, but remains particularly attached to the place where the body is buried. A fragment of their soul will always exist within the space, even if only to come and visit when needed. In recent times, cemeteries have been viewed more as portals to the afterlife. They are enclosed by a fence or a gate to contain the spirits of the cemetery who cannot wander past this designated area. The cemetery has multiple entrances, both physical and spiritual. Those at the entrance, the exit, and the other breaks in the gates We work with spirits in the cemetery to connect with our ancestors or make an exchange for them to do ours or someone else's bidding. Graveyards are the focus of many old tales and are a place of great importance in many cultures. A certain etiquette is required to maintain peace in the cemetery. As it is the designated area for the continued existence of souls on our physical plane, When entering the cemetery, there is a widespread belief in giving an offering to the guardian of the cemetery in exchange for protection. The last person to be laid to rest is charged with keeping a watch on the surrounding area from sunrise to sunset. They are often a spirit who is new to the phenomenon of death. This guardian is discharged when the next person is buried. It's important to make sure that this spirit is particular and comfortable. They have recently passed and may be suffering from grief themselves. Get to know the guardian and they will help you through the cemetery. When you enter a cemetery, raise your voice and announce your arrival. Visit the graves of children first, then adults and elders. If you eat, drink, or smoke in the cemetery, you must offer equal parts to the spirit. Do not take from the fenced area without permission from a guardian spirit. Never step on a grave as it brings misfortune. Most of all, never allow a spirit to leave with you. And no matter your offering, the spirits will appreciate the thoughts and work put into remembering and honoring them. If they were harsh and hateful in life, so they will be in death. If they were timid and shy, they will be the same. That being said, it's always important to know who you're calling on, even among ancestors. Not every spirit has our best interests in mind. Even our ancestors, as they often use our efforts for their own personal mechanisms. Interacting with spirits safely and responsibly is a key factor in ancestor work. Being dead doesn't make you a better person. The dead come back to us as they were in life, and they will exemplify these qualities as you work with them.